Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host and founder of Alzheimer's Speaks, Lori LeBay, and I just want to, um, again, welcome everyone to the show today. It's uh, it's going to be a, a great, great show. We've got uh, two wonderful guests with us, um, but before I get started and before I even uh, tell you a little bit about Alzheimer's Speaks, in case you're new to the show, I just want to take a, a pause um, in honor of a dementia icon who passed. Uh, Richard Taylor was really the first voice that was ever truly listened to in dementia, and it was an honor to know him and call him a friend. And after a a long struggle, uh, not only with the disease but with cancer, uh, he passed on Saturday. And um, I'm just going to take a moment to pause. Thank you for uh, for just having that moment of silence. Richard was such uh, a fantastic advocate, and most of us would not be doing what we're doing if it wasn't for him. And so I just personally needed to take that moment um, to honor him because he is just such a, a fantastic man who touched people all around the world. So we'll go ahead and get back to the format of the show here. Uh, For those of you that are new, um, I'll just tell you a little bit about Alzheimer's Speaks. We are an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort around the world. And we really believe that by joining forces and having these everyday conversations like we have here on Alzheimer's Speaks Radio and our Dementia Chats webinar um, and even through our blog, Um, By sharing our individual stories, we're able to touch one another and make a connection that is is so profound and help remove the isolation that sometimes um, happens with this disease. And um, and so I'm so glad that you were able to uh, join us today for this show. We uh, are honored to have Laurie Schur with us who is living with dementia and is going to give us some great insights um, in terms of the disease and, and how she lives with the disease, what she's done to adjust in her life and, and plan for the future. Um, while you're listening, if you wouldn't mind just liking us and uh, sharing this show with your um, Facebook friends, with your Google Circle, with your Twitter tribes, with your LinkedIn colleagues. All of that is just so helpful in terms of uh, getting the word out, letting people feel that it's okay to reach out and, um, and be part 
of this community uh, get the information that they need when when they truly need it, and um, that is just such a such a big um, big big place. Uh, that is needed, and there's kind of a kind of a void there. There's so much information, and we're just not helping people connect the dots. And each of us has the power to be able to push out information there. So I would appreciate your help in doing that. Um, like with all of our shows, we would encourage you to participate, and you can do that a couple of ways. One is through the chat box, which um, I was having some technical difficulties this morning. I don't even have up, but I will get up here in just a second. Um, and the other is by calling in live to the show, and that number is 714-364-4757. That's 714-364-4757. And we would, we would absolutely love to have you, have you join us. Uh, before I formally introduce Lori, I'd just like to give a shout-out to a few different um, organizations that I think people need to learn more about. And um, one is the Purple Angel Project. The Purple Angel Project is uh, is basically a symbol that anybody can use that can help um, spread the word and get people asking questions, what is that, um, so that we can have a conversation about uh, about the disease. And if you'd like more information in the U.S., you can go to alzheimerspeaks.com, go to our About page, and there's a tab on the Purple Angel. Um, If you're outside the U.S., still go to that tab, um, but you'll be directed to go to the the global website. Um, It's in over 17 countries and has gotten so large, so we have different home bases to help direct people to that. Uh, The other organization is the Alzheimer's um, disease, uh, Alzheimer's Disease International, which is the association of all the associations, all the Alzheimer's associations around the world. And it's a great place to not only find who's closest to you, but you get wonderful global insights and research there as well. Um, locally here in Minnesota, I always have to give a shout-out to uh, HealthStar Home Health. They are absolutely a fantastic group to work with. And we're going to be making a really large announcement on some fun things that are, are coming up on a project that I'm working with uh, them on. And um, that will be rolling out really, really soon. Cannot wait to tell you about that. Um, the other organizations would be the Lewy Body uh, Dementia Association and the Frontal Temporal Lobe Association. Um, if you're dealing with specific symptoms, you're definitely want, going to want to touch base with them. And if you're dealing with any speech issues, the National Aphasia Association uh, is a great, great uh, resource for you as well. Um, if you're dealing with uh, kind of a more holistic angle in your life uh, for your medical needs, check out the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation. There you'll find information on diet and um, exercise and meditation, and they're just a wonderful group. They do some uh, free educational uh, programs as well. And then last, I just want to give a shout-out to uh, the Alzheimer's team. You can find them on Facebook, or you can go to our site at alzheimerspeaks.com as well. 
And um, they are doing clinical trials. And if you just scroll down our page there, you will you will find information out about the clinical trials. You can really help reshape treatment uh, for <clears throat> for dementia by getting involved in those. So I would encourage you to investigate that. Let me go ahead and introduce our first guest here. Uh, fabulous woman. At the age of 55, Lori Shearer was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's and FTD, which is frontal temporal dementia, um, which ended up ending her professional career in sales and service. Recently, Lori and her husband Roy made a series of videos on sign language for what they call PWD, or persons with dementia. You'll hear that term more and more um, as you get involved in dementia, PWD. And these videos are designed for people living with dementia and their care partners to learn 19 signs that would be recognized by any American Sign Language interpreter. And they're meant to provide the person living with dementia with a visual form of communication when their verbal skills um, start to weaken. And all seven videos are available, and um, you can go at, to DementiaMentors.com, or you can go to Lori's website as well, and the link is on our on our page there. Um, and those are all free, which is wonderful. After Lori's diagnosis, she began writing and posting a number of dementia-related things on her Facebook chat groups. And at the urging of a lot of people, she began to blog um, to communicate some of the feelings and changes that she was feeling associated to this disease. And, you know, that's such an honor when people share their lives with us. So I, I really, uh, you know, just put her at, at such high accord in terms of being able to, to kind of have that confessional um, to the world. And you can you can hear, in, or I, I should say not hear, but you can read her writings at DementiaDays.com. And her blog is Dear Teenager, This is How Dementia Feels. And um, there's telephone tips for calling people with dementia and um, that have been used for international trainings. And she also did a post called Last Night I Wept, which received over 500 comments, which was uh, shared by Tipa Snow on her blog. And if you're not familiar with Tipa, Tipa is uh, just a renowned um, trainer uh, in the world of dementia. So Lori is very open about what what she is doing, what she is feeling, and um, she's also going to be uh, doing some speaking herself, and she will be at Kutztown Walk uh, for Dementia Association on October 10th. So if you're in that area, uh, please check in and um, go up and, and say hi to Lori. You'll be you'll be thrilled to meet her. I have not personally met her, um, but um, I would I would love to. I wish I would be in the area. So welcome, Lori. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing really good. Doing really good. A little good. sad over the passing of Richard, but you know we yeah. we all pass, and it was you know you just have to put it in perspective of. Uh, you know, such an honor to to know the man and have met him, and um, you know the the huge changes that he made. I think are really going to help set people on fire even more in terms of um, in in terms of advocacy. You know, he's just been such a a huge voice. Uh, not always liked uh, at what his comments are because they're very honest, 
in terms of of what it's really like for a person with dementia and um and i you know I see that in in your communications as well, so do you wanna tell people a little bit more about um you know when you were diagnosed and and um how you know how you dealt with just the whole deal of being diagnosed before I was diagnosed i I had the typical stigma that everybody that most people have um Alzheimer's or dementia and old people just in a nursing home not knowing who anybody was um, when I was diagnosed and I went to four doctors each one sending me to yet another expert before someone finally gave me the diagnosis. And when I went to Penn Medicine, they gave me the diagnosis. The doctor said, well, I'm just confirming what the three other doctors wouldn't tell you and wouldn't put in writing. Um, he also said his, his words to us were, put your affairs in order and go see an elderly care attorney. At the diagnosis, I automatically pictured myself in the stigma that I that I always pictured of Alzheimer's or dementia. I right away thought I was going to be in a nursing home and wouldn't know my loved ones. It was very, it was very emotional and very hard on the whole family because that's what you think of with Alzheimer's mm-hmm. or dementia. Um, it was hard to to deal with a diagnosis of early Alzheimer's or dementia when all you think of is someone in a nursing home not able to care for themselves. Mm-hmm. I've learned a lot since then, a whole lot. <laughs> um, I've studied, I've been involved in groups, I've talked to a lot of other people with dementia, forms of dementia, um, and what we found out is that most forms of dementia are a Slow process. This is not an immediate sentence to a nursing home or death. Dementia is not just about memory loss. That's what I pictured was just it meant losing your memory. I now know it's a whole lot more because what it does is it impacts your comprehension, your reasoning, your math. That was one of the first things I lost was my math ability. I I cannot add. Mm-hmm. Um, it has impacted my speech a lot. Uh, When I'm tired, I can't think of words. I can't communicate. And these symptoms all can evolve over years, not overnight like the doctor led us to believe. It can involve years of changes, challenges, frustrations, and adjustments. Um, I think what I found was in this point in in the disease of dementia it it's it's very scary it's very frightening and i wish the doctors had prepared me more for this it's scary because first off i know that i'm losing my memory i know i'm losing my abilities i can't multitask at all each function has to be done one at a time um i know what's happening to me and I also know what this is meaning, what it's doing to my loved ones and what it's going to mean for my loved ones in the long term. 
the doctors don't share that with you. They don't help you through that process, which is very hard. Um, When we left the doctor's office, instead of getting support and knowledge and resources, we left basically with the understanding that there's no hope. We better make plans right away. And In fact, I'll tell you what we did. Um, I have five siblings, and we're extremely close. We talk to each other at least once a week. Um, We were so concerned that we planned a family vacation with all five siblings and their spouses. We had a wonderful time, but our true expectation, based on what the doctor told us, was that in a year I might not remember them. Mm -hmm. So we right away went on a vacation. Now we understand that our perception has changed a lot and we're past that stigma. We understand now a little bit better, and we're still working on my bucket list, but we also understand that rather than months, we probably have a lot more time. So we're working on my bucket list, but spreading it out a little bit more. Um, we know we have time to re- to recognize and react to changes. We can't stop the progression of this disease, but we've really learned how to make adjustments to tackle some of the challenges and the symptoms. Yeah, it's it's really kind of sad because um, I, I hear this so often about the lack of support and um, the not understanding the, the the disease and and how it really plays out in people's lives. You know, every I mean, so many people go and it's you know seven to ten years. You know, if you're lucky, get your affairs in order and um, yeah, you know, tomorrow's coming to an end quick. And, you know, my mom lived with it for 30 years. And, you know, we're hearing more and more people, you know, living with this disease longer. The researchers are now saying people are having symptoms 10 to 15 years before they even go into the doctor. And, um, you know, so it's it's changing, but it's changing really slowly. But we really do need to get that switched up for support for people. And that's I appreciate so much people like you coming in and and talking and telling their stories because it's so powerful and so helpful to so many others dealing dealing with this disease. Can you share um with our audience some of the challenges that you've faced and and how you've how you've adapted um since your diagnosis in in 2013? Sure. Um I think Well, you know, you hear a lot about um, living well with Alzheimer's and how you can live a great life. I can't live the life I used to have. I I can't do the things I used to do. But I can do a whole heck of a lot. Um, It took us us about a year to figure things out a little bit. And every day as, as I change and the challenges change, we're learning how to deal with them as they occur. But right off the bat, we recognized some things that really had an impact on me and things we needed to change. For example, stress and drama. Stress and drama have such a strong impact on my symptoms. I had mm-hmm. to really learn to avoid unnecessary conflicts. Um, some TV shows, uh, family conflicts, even Facebook pages that were dementia-related, but they were so full of conflicts, they they pulled me down. So I I learned I either need to walk away or hang up and realize it's not my problem and I can't get involved in it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
to me, music is a must. I've always been a music person, uh, but now I've found it even more important. When I'm starting to get into my confused zone, and I call it dementia days, as in D-A-Z, because I feel like Mm -hmm. the days are a fog. Um, When I'm starting to go that route, I put on my headphones, I go in a quiet place and turn my music on and just kind of zone out and go somewhere and give my brain a rest. Um, uh, Another thing, uh, standing at a checkout counter and not knowing how much money to pay. Do you know how embarrassing that is at 55 years old? It's humiliating. Mm -hmm. Um, So... I've learned to put everything on my credit card, no matter how big, no matter how small, it goes on my credit card. Saves me the embarrassment of having to count cash. If you pay it off at the end of the month, it's not like you're running up bills. Mm -hmm. Um, We had a real hard time with, I really struggle with parties and social gatherings. About a year ago, or a year and a half ago, I guess, we went to a, a scuba party with some friends of ours. And as usual, everybody was gathered in the kitchen. I tried and tried. I told myself, you're not going to walk away. You're going to stay here. I tried to listen to one person at a time or be involved. It ended up I got so fatigued, I had to go upstairs in her bedroom and lay down, Mm. which is totally not like me. Um, When I'm in with a group of people, my brain seems incapable of splitting the voices. When a lot of people are talking at one one time, what I'm hearing is a bunch of jumble of noise. Um, trying to concentrate on just one conversation in a room with a lot of people really begins my dementia days very quickly and tires me out. So, so in that, that, a- jumb- that jumbling, um, a lot of people refer to as word salad. And, you know, it, for anyone who's getting older, you're you're picking up more of that background noise, you know. I know mm-hmm. I'm in my mid fifties now, and I've been noticing it for a while. Where when I was younger, I just tuned it out, and I could really laser focus in. <laughs> I can't so much anymore. And um, but it's but it's way worse than that, and it's all day long, um, from what I hear from people with dementia. And so, um, you know how frustrating that's got to be to to not be able to make sense and then to to just kind of hear gibberish um to boot that would just drive me crazy so do you kind of remove yourself from those situations um well i do i I do like you hear that in the mall in the grocery store wherever you go that background noise uh, is just it's horrible because you you can't filter it anymore but I've, I've learned that when we're with a group, I, I just have to walk away. I have mm-hmm. to walk away. I always have my iPad and my headphones with me. I'll find some place, put my headphones on, and just take some time. Now, originally, you know, I, I was very afraid of how people would react to that, thinking, well, people are going to think I'm being a snob, being rude. But once people know what's going on, they're fine with it. It's okay. Sometimes I can walk back to the group. Sometimes I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing, we we had stopped going to restaurants for the same reason. All the background noise, the conversations, the clagging dishes, whatever. 
I, I became very disoriented and agitated. Um, but now we've learned we can still go out. We don't have to just mm-hmm. stop going out. Although with our adjusted income, since I'm not working, it's not often, but still, um, what we do is we go out at 3 or 4 o'clock before all the crowds. We specifically ask for a room without a television, away from the kitchen, and near a window. A few times we've actually said to the people, look, I have dementia, I can't handle the confusion. One restaurant, a very lovely restaurant in in, uh, East Greenville called The Carriage House, actually put us in a private room. (laughs) It was just lovely. Mm -hmm. They were great. Um, Let's see. Another thing is routine. Uh, This is one of the most important things for me is keeping a routine. I literally have a routine for everything I do. I have a routine when I get up in the morning. I have a routine when I get go to bed at night. Um, give you an example. When I go to bed at night, it's lock this door, this door, this curtain, that door, whatever. Um, in our kitchen, you can flip the light on either side of the wall. And one day, my husband had flipped it on the wrong side of the wall, and I went to turn off the light, and every time I hit it to off, it went on. It confused the bejeebies out of me. I couldn't figure out why the light was going on when my routine was to turn it off by that switch. So little things can interrupt my routine and and really cause a confusion point. Um, The routine, I have to have a routine. One day, I, I became really religious about my routine because one day, I could not remember whether or not I had given our dog his insulin shot. I knew if I gave him a second shot, I could kill him. Mm-hmm. If I didn't give him his shot, he should go, he could go into diabetic shock. And uh, it hit me really hard. Suddenly I realized the reality of my symptoms, that I could do things that aren't just hitting me hard, but that are hurting someone else. Mm-hmm. And the next day I wrote the... That blog last night, I wept. That was because of not giving the dog his insulin shot, that everything came just pounding down on my head. Um, Since that day, I've become extremely devout about my routine, and my Mm -hmm. day is based on action. Helps Mm -hmm. me stay focused. Um, Let's see. Other things that I've done to adapt is my iPad. My iPad's my lifeline. My iPad goes where I go. On it, it has my calendars. It has alarms that not only ring, but also say, change the wash or whatever. Um, It has my contact, my schedule, step-by-step recipes. Everything that keeps me going all day long is on my iPad. And that was the best investment I made. Um, And the last thing that comes to my head that, that we've really done to adapt, which was difficult, was we learned to say no. Mm-hmm. You know, we we were invited to a friend's wedding, and we were so anxious to go because we were going to see a lot of friends we hadn't seen in a long time. And that day I got up, and I was just very disoriented and confused, and we knew we couldn't go because by if you if you push yourself and go, and what happens is it prolongs the rebound period. So mm-hmm. going to that wedding, pr- 
probably would have kept me in a confused state for three days or so. So uh, learning to say no has been important. Those are the main things, I think. The, the routine, the iPad, saying no and music really are very important to me. Yeah, I, and I think that music is just uh, such a, a general one for so many people. Not everybody, but it's, um, it, you know, it's, uh, it's a powerful, powerful piece. Um, needless to say, and um, I know for my mom it, it really, really helped a lot. I see that we've got um, Harry Urban on the phone. I'm just going to pull him in and see if he has any comments so far. Harry, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello, Lori. How are you? Hi, Harry. Good to hear you. Hey, good to hear you, too. I wanted to check and see if you had anything that you wanted to add to the conversation. No, I I think uh, I think Roy is uh, is is speaking out exactly how we feel, and uh, it is funny. The more people speak out, the more you hear the same stories, mm-hmm. and that's good. That's good because yep. um, uh, people are now realizing that it's just not this person saying it; it's everybody saying it. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I am really, really, really anxious to hear about is sign language. Mm-hmm. I love it. I, I love it because um, uh, we have to find a new way to communicate. You know, there's, there's, we lose our communication skills, and there has to be a way to be um, uh, able to communicate with us. And the videos that, that Laura and Roy made were excellent. Um, I, I push them as much as I can because I think it's a wonderful idea. Wonderful. Thank you. Well, good. Mm-hmm. good. Well, Laurie, do you want to talk a little bit about your um, – I'm going to put you back on hold, Harry. Do you want to talk a little bit about your videos that, that we made? Oh, I sure do. I'm I'm so proud of them. Um. The purpose of the videos is to provide people with dementia a visual form of communication. You know, many of us with with dementia often suffer from from losing our speech in some way or another, our verbal skills, either forgetting a word or not being able to formulate the word. You can see the word, but you can't get it out. Since sign language is visual a person with dementia may be able to retain it longer. Um, now, the key is learning sign language for dementia must begin at the early stages of dementia. You can't take someone who's already forgetting their name and teach them something new. Um, it must become part of a daily routine or weekly routine to practice the word, and it needs to be done with the person with dementia and their caregiver need to learn it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the video, the signs are ASL, or American Sign Language. So most emergency care units, hospitals, will have an a, interpreter available to them. So if the caregiver is not with the person, they should be able to get an interpreter that can interpret the signs. Um, my youngest brother is hearing impaired, and my family learned just a little bit of sign language when when he was growing up. 
my mother was diagnosed with cancer, lung cancer, and had surgery, and they found it to be inoperable. When she was in ICU, the doctor directly told us, well, she's not in any pain, she's in a comatose state, and so she's in no pain. We kept noticing, my sister and I kept noticing she kept pulling her hand out from under the sheet. The nurse would put it back, she'd pull it out. And watching her, I finally said, leave her alone. Very slowly, she was spelling P-A-I-N. And she'd do it again and again. So we called the doctor over and we said, look it, she is spelling pain. She, she wasn't able to say it. Her eyes never opened. For all reasons, according to the doctor, she was comatose. But her hand spelled pain. Uh, oh. And actually, the doctor was uh, was just so overwhelmed, he said, you know, thank you, because this really changes my perspective of how my patients are feeling. And he right away gave her pain medicine. And, but when I started having frustrations with dementia of forgetting a word or trying to tell my husband what I was saying, and he didn't understand my sign language, I thought, you know, this could be this could be a real problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was frustrated that he couldn't couldn't share that. Um, so, actually, Harry and I were talking about it one day. He said, "Do a video." Then I was on Virtual Memory Cafe, and I brought it up, and the group loved it. And together, the group identified 19 words that we would want our caregivers to learn. Not mm-hmm. all of American Sign Language, it's not enough to run a conversation, but just 19 words that you would really want them to know. And mm-hmm. we took the 19 words, and on the videos, I'm actually teaching Roy the signs. And Roy wasn't learning them real quick, so it goes pretty slow. <laughs> um, I'm <laughs> teaching him the words, so you can learn the, the 19 words. We practice them once a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to make sure that when when I get to the point that my verbal skills are not good, it is so it, so wonderful to know that he'll at least be able to understand nineteen words. Mm-hmm. So yep, yeah, that's great. Can you do? Can you tell us a few of the words? Offhand? Sure. Um, hungry, thirsty, pain, bathroom, mm-hmm. um, drink. Yeah, um, so, oh, those are definitely critical. Yeah, that that makes a lot of lot a lot of sense. Um, and what a comfort to know that those things you you know you feel you can um, communicate. Um, to your loved one, um, gosh, that that uh, to me that that's just huge. That was really brilliant to come up with that. Really, really brilliant. Uh, but like you said, had, people have to start early. Mm-hmm. Yes, have to start early. I've actually had a couple of our friends from um, wanting me to do videos in British Sign Language, which is different than American Sign Language. And uh, although I intend to someday do that, I haven't tackled that yet because that means me learning 19 signs. Yep, yep. That's too bad that we are different on that kind of stuff. But <laughs> it, 
it happens with everything, you know, around the world. Well, that's really interesting. And, again, people can go to your website, Dementia Days, and um, see those videos, or they can go to Dementia Mentors. Is that correct? That's correct, DementiaMentors.com or uh, DementiaDays.com. The videos are on both. Okay. And then, Lori, let's talk about, you know, just adjustments that you've made in your home routine. We'll kind of go back to some of your adapting to the challenges of the disease. Um, What types of things have you needed to do at home? Well, you know, Lori, I, I really want to live my life the best I can. But dementia does cause challenges. So our goal has been to try and absolutely put everything to the point that I can follow it. Um, mm-hmm. Since I'm no longer able to multitask, I have to concentrate on one thing at a time. And, and even then, sometimes I forget what I'm doing. So our procedures, we've put together procedures for a lot of household tasks so that I can just go down and make sure I'm following the list. I'll give you an example. Um, Our wash list, I found I was mixing colors. I was leaving stuff in the washer for a long time. Um, Mm -hmm. So my wash list includes things like separate the clothes into four piles, white, dark towels, and delicates. Mm-hmm. Um, add laundry soap up to the number three. And I have to actually, in my list, I specify all these details. I'm looking at it in front of me. Um, if any items need to go in, if any items in the wash can't go to the dryer, I have to take mm-hmm. the time as I'm putting them in the washing machine and put a note on the washing machine saying, yellow blouse doesn't go in the dryer. Um, mm-hmm. Then I set an alarm for what time is listed on the washing machine. The washing machine will tell me 30 minutes, whatever. Um, On wash day, I have to stay in the family room so I can hear the alarm and hear the washing machine. Uh, Whereas before, I could have been doing many things at once. It's not. It's one thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cooking has been a major challenge for me. I never liked cooking. I'll tell you the truth. I'd rather change oil on the car than cook. I hate it. Always did. <laughs> However, it wasn't hard for me. Mm-hmm. Now it, it's become very difficult for me. Um, the day that I, or the days that I realized I finished cooking something and I had five ingredients left on the counter that hadn't been at it, or things that I put in the oven and never turned on, or, mm-hmm. worse yet, I turned them on and never turned them off until the smoke alarm went off. I realized cooking was something I needed to make a routine for. So now mm-hmm. um, I make all my meals in the morning. Mornings are generally better for me. So I prepare the meals in the morning. And then at night, all I need to do is put them in the oven and set my alarm and stay mm-hmm. near the kitchen. Um, so that's one of the things. It's it's learning how to, oh, my recipes are written one step at a time. Put this ingredient in um, rather than having, like, the ingredients at the top and then the steps. Mine are combined together so that mm-hmm. each ingredient goes one at a time. Um, cleaning has just recently become an extreme challenge for me. I look at a room and I'm overwhelmed. I can't remember how to clean a room. Mm -hmm. I went to put um, 
lemon oil on the television. Uh, fortunately, my husband stopped me before I smeared the television all with lemon oil. Mm-hmm. It just, looking at it doesn't make sense. So my my cousin and my Aunt Joyce are working on steps to help me so when I walk in a room, I remember how to clean. Mm-hmm. I think I can do almost anything. Um, physically, I have no limitations. But it's all about coming up with how you can accomplish it and finding new ways and adjusting the way you did things. Mm-hmm. And that's... Um, that's mainly the things that I think have really impacted me as far as the house. It's getting mm-hmm. getting used to not being able to multitask. I can't do the wash and cook at the same time because mm-hmm. I, I lose focus. I need to focus on one thing at a time. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, that makes sense. And I think that was smart in terms of, you know, changing your recipes up. Um, did you do that yourself, or did you have someone else um, help you with that in terms of rewriting it, them? It started a friend of mine, Sue, gave me a recipe box that she had worked so hard on, handwriting all the recipes for me. Um, mm-hmm. And from that, then, I started transporting everything onto my iPad and none you can't get a recipe that's marked out step by step uh-huh. so i would take the recipe and in my ipad put it step by step so i can follow it okay wonderful so you're really tapping into that technology and and, and leveraging that to your on your behalf which is wonderful yeah. wonderful yeah. to do now, you know, one of the things um, in your introduction I had mentioned was that, that you had done some um, calling tips, you know, when you're calling somebody with dementia. Um, can you mention a few of those at all for, for our listeners? I think that might be really helpful or how they would access that. Sure. Um, I ran a telephone call center. Um, I actually started three telephone call centers and, I was a vice president of the call center and web center for a bank. Um, so I ran a call center with 23 people. And so telephone te- te- techniques were always have always been important to me. Um, I had a phone call from our neurologist one day, and she said, Hi, this is Beep. Apparently somebody else was calling, and her name beeped out. Mm-hmm. Then she went to give the telephone number, and something happened to the line, and I missed a couple of the numbers. Um, That's when I put together the telephone tips for people with dementia. Uh, Most important one, I think, is when you're leaving a message or providing someone with dementia with, with telephone information, always give the important information at least twice. So, hi, Laurie, this is Lori from Alzheimer's Speaks. I'm calling to remind you about our phone call. Please call me back at blah, 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 blah. Again, this is Lori from Alzheimer's Speaks. Please call me back at. Always do the phone number twice. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes three times is the best route to go, actually. Speak slowly and clearly. When you're talking to 
anybody on the phone. You lose your verbal communication. You can't see them, and a lot of our communication is visual. We know what somebody's saying based on their, their visual actions. You lose that on the telephone. So when you're on the phone, you should slow down. Don't speak at your normal rate. Slow it down. Mm-hmm. Um, those are a couple of the things, and those are on my website. Um, if you go to DementiaDays.com and on the right-hand side, look for the one that says Telephone Techniques for Dementia. You will see that there. Okay, wonderful. And I, I will that... tell you, every time I go to a doctor, um, every time I go uh, to the hairdresser, I take them one of those pages and give it to them. Because I think mm-hmm. it's important, and even our tax consultant and our attorney, I think it's important to get the word out there to people that dementia is an issue when you call and just go, hi, this is a... Your people aren't going to understand you, so I think that's important, and um, it's printable, so you can hand it to whoever you want. Yep. Well, that's that's wonderful. I appreciate you going to all that work because that uh, every business needs that, and not just for dementia, but just in general. It's like be courteous. Not everybody has a pen. Not everybody memorizes your numbers, um, you know, our our tone of voice, our accents, all of that stuff can come into play in terms of being able to retain things if we're multitasking, you know, or or if we've got some cognitive um, disability going on or maybe we're just half asleep or, you know, I, there can be a zillion things. So it's it's just, it's good overall technique. It's not going to um, damage you in any way <clears throat> to use those techniques with others. Uh, I think they'll find them helpful as well. And, and sometimes people make it more complicated and think that, oh, you know, if we do if we do this for one, then we have to do something different for someone else. But, you know, what I've learned, and, <clears throat> and maybe I'm wrong, but, um, you know, pretty much everything that I did with my mom and all the lessons that I learned, they just apply to life in general um, and, and make, make things simpler um, and make me a better person. I think that's true. I think with with any dementia symptoms you take every everything is multiplied so whereas you might have to listen to the answer machine twice to get that message off somebody with dementia might have to listen to it five times to get that message off mm-hmm. so in life in general a lot of the techniques that that we talk about and a lot of things should be common every day on the telephone tips I used to do training to all our bank employees of this is how you're supposed to answer the phone. This is how you're supposed to leave a message. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were not training for dementia, but training for proper courtesy. But a lot of that has been lost in, in the business world. Mm-hmm. It's been It's become very automated and just get it done, get the call done, and hang up and go to the next one. So... Wonderful. Now we've got somebody on the line. I'm not sure if they want to. Um, sometimes people just call in and listen, and sometimes people have a comment. But I have somebody from a 585 number, and I'm just going to go ahead and put them on, and we'll see if they have a question. 585, you are live and on the air. Did you have a question or a, a comment that you wanted to make? I have a comment. This is Vicki Rupert, um, and I was on your show 
number of weeks back. I just want to thank Laurie Scher for coming on the show and enlightening all of us as to how you're dealing with this. And it also pains me to hear so many stories from people about things their neurologists have told them or not told them that puts them in turmoil when they could be so helpful in in uh, orchestrating a path for you guys to follow. And it just is unbelievable the things I hear from from people across the country about what neurologists have told them. And, and it's so unfortunate. I wish they would be listening to these shows. Yeah, so that's boy, all I, I wanted to say. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just wanted to say thank you so much. Uh, you're doing such good work and documenting your own your own path so others can do it as well. It's just wonderful. Thank you. Um, I'll add to that my disappointment. I have given four neurologists a printout of my website, uh, the information of all the different links I'm in, other people with dementia, other groups, books. Uh, It's got a whole recommendation of things I would recommend to people newly diagnosed. Not one would take them. Every one of them said, well, we refer people to the Alzheimer's Association. Um, It's so unfortunate. It is, because I've been in touch with the Alzheimer's Association, and they're a great group, but I live in the country. Where I Mm -hmm. am, there is no support, and they don't offer the same online chats that you can get through other mediums, uh, but not one of the four would hand out my information. That's sad. It is so sad. It is sad, and, you know, it all gets down to, and it's awful to say, but it all gets down to liability. Um, They have a relationship with the Alzheimer's Association, and they know that they're credible, and they, you know, but they're losing out. That's one of the reasons I started Alzheimer's Speaks was because there's so much more information. Once you get kind of in that grassroots movement um, and you start making connections, it's like this whole underground of all these cool little businesses and people making huge impacts that that nobody knows about until somebody reaches out a hand and says, hey, check this out. And, you know, it's not going to take anything away from these large organizations. It's going to add to the movement and the power. Um, That's my belief anyways. You know, if we join forces, not everybody can do everything. So let people who... who, um, who have an ability to have an impact, allow them, um, allow them space, you know, and, and honor their journeys, um, you know, whoever it is, if it's someone living with dementia, if it's a care partner, if it's a business doing a cool thing that's helping out, you know, let's just join hands and, and get through this and build a true community. And I think to me that's one of the things that is lacking with um, our government and some of our large agencies is, um, they can say they're collaborative and they're inclusive, but they, they truly aren't. They are in their own own little playground, and not all of them. And, and some of them, 
with uh, you know the real large organizations, and there's several of them. Um, have different uh, different chapters and different locations, just like any or different franchises, just like it with businesses, you know. And uh, there's different philosophies within, but you know the power at the top has to has to be the one to reach out and say, you know, we're really going to make this a better world by working together. And, Absolutely, you know, could, and I wish there was more of that. You know, we could we could um, change things so much faster. And and help people um, at, at just a phenomenal speed if we would do that. And um, you know, I've seen just the huge difference just in the last five years of the grassroots effort um, moving forward. And some people might not even consider themselves part of that, but but I do. Um, you know, I just I think it's all these individuals that are really um, speaking out. You know, you and Harry and. Um, Rick Phelps and Richard Taylor and I mean the, you know Michael Allen Bogan and um, Robert Bowles and and um, you know Paul Ann and I mean the list is endless with people and the the various groups of support realizing that you know most people participate in more than one um, physical support group they they participate in more than one virtual um, gathering. You know, and that's okay. It's not taking away, it's adding, and it, it helps disseminate the information because people are chatting and having a conversation. And, um, you know, they're, they're, not, um, they're not tapping that power of one um, that actually has built every organization that exists. It all started with the power of one, you know. So, yeah, and good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Lori, what... When I meet people that were just recently diagnosed, one of the things I I suggest to them very strongly, get involved. You're not alone in this. Get involved in chat groups. Um, On my website is a list of resource groups that I'm involved in, books that I found helpful, whatever. The Virtual Memory Cafe, uh, they offer scheduled video chats three times a week. Um, mm-hmm. Dementia Mentors, if you go to Dementia Mentors, you can actually schedule to chat with someone one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, get involved in the chat groups, and there, there's plenty of them. Get involved with listening to your radio show. You need to learn about your disease from the experts, which are unfortunately are not the doctors. The experts yep. are the people with dementia and their caregivers, and Unfortunately, your doctors aren't offering you anything more than just call the Alzheimer's Association. Mm-hmm. Um, I, those are such important things to do when you're when you're newly diagnosed to really get with people that can help you not to be afraid of the disease and help you learn how to deal with it. Yeah, I I totally totally agree with you there. Well, I can't believe we've almost blown through an hour here, and I, I have a couple more questions that I want to uh, touch base with you on, um, Lori. So, can you tell us? Um, you know, you've referred to dementia day, days. Can you kind of describe what that dementia days is really like? Are you able to put it in words? It, it's hard. Um, that's where you have bad moments that can last sometimes only an hour, and other time days. 
during the period, some people call it a dementia fog. I just call it days. Um, it's areas of confusion and an empty feeling of, of lost. Everything's off balance. Nothing makes sense. Uh, I I generally get scared and frustrated and lonely, um, kind of all at the same time. It's very frightening. Um, sometimes I get, I get very emotional and I may cry, and other times I just zone off. I'm staring at something. Frequently I go and stare at Candy Crush. I'm not sure why. I don't play it. I stare at it, but I zone mm-hmm. off. Um, it's uh, I sometimes will just walk in circles, and I, I think in my head maybe I'm trying to figure out where life is, what's happening, but I'll pace the room, just pacing. I deal with mm-hmm. memory loss every day and verbal issues frequently. It's the dazed periods of feeling lost and uncertain that's really the most challenging because it's confusion and fatigue. It gets very frustrating. But I will tell you this. I've had less bad days this year than last year. Mm-hmm. And I totally and completely believe that the reason for that is I've learned a routine. I've learned not to fight it. I've learned I can't fight this. So mm-hmm. what I've learned to do is step back and do my music or whatever. Um, I've learned how to work through adjusting so that my symptoms don't get as bad as they did last year. Mm-hmm. Um being now that I know what the symptoms are, uh, my husband and I can start taking control and keep them from from getting worse when they're happening. And that's a key. I, when I was first diagnosed, uh, my feeling was, I'm not going to let this stop my life. I'm going to fight it. I'm going to fight it. Well, when you fight through and push yourself, like you push yourself to stay in the mall or you push yourself to stay at a party, it's mm-hmm. going to end up with three days downtime instead of one. Mm-hmm. So learning how to control it has has been really good. But to describe the feeling in those with the with dementia, I, I don't know if anybody has a better way to describe it. But you're you're totally lost and out there somewhere. You're just gone. Um, but at the same time, you're feeling so frustrated and. I think for me that's why I pace or walk in a circle is I'm just trying to come out of it and find where I am. Mhm. Well, that that makes a lot of sense. Um I I just you've been just so insightful with all this. Is there is there any advice that you would give someone really, you know, recently diagnosed that you'd like to share? Um getting involved in the other chat groups, yes. An- another one Share what's happening with your whoever your care provider, your caregiver is, your care partner. Communication. You've got to communicate. That's so strong because your care partner is going to be able to make you aware of things that you're doing that you don't realize. For example, mm-hmm. I told my husband apparently nine times in 20 minutes that we needed to go get the dog groomed. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't know I had said it. I sure do remember the last time I told him, and he said, I know we got to take the dogs to get groomed. Um, 
and this was before I was diagnosed, and that, we didn't realize what was going on. But um, you don't, you're, they're going to know things that you don't know. So mm-hmm. communicate. Uh, we do once a week. We have a communication time where we share our feelings, what's happening, and come up with ways to adjust our schedule to take care of the new signs that have popped up. Um, Learn sign language. We've talked about that. I'd really recommend it now while you can, uh, you know, start learning those. Um, Tell your friends and family what's happening. I'll Mm -hmm. tell you right now, will they treat you differently? Yes, they will treat you differently. Will you lose some friends? Yes, you will lose some friends. You'll also find some people, at least what I found, was some people pitched in and were right there by my side that I never expected. Mm-hmm. Um, not only that, but when your friends and family know what's going on, you can relax. Instead of them thinking you're just not listening to them, you're not paying attention, they're going to know that you can't retain the, the information. Mm-hmm. The other thing is become an advocate. By helping others, you can help yourself. Very true. Um, Yeah, and last thing I'll throw in there is get your partner started learning about your disease. Not when you're too far gone, but now. Get them listening to Tipa Snow videos. Get them reading books. Get them learning how to deal with your symptoms when you get worse. And those of us with, with dementia in particular, di- di- Alzheimer's disease, we know it's going to go worse, get worse. We know what's happening to us. So you know what your loved one has to deal with later on down the road. Get them started getting prepared for what's to come. Okay, great. And then, Lori, they can, uh, people can get in touch with you uh, by going to DementiaDays.com or they can email you at DementiaDays at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out uh, the Dementia uh, Mentors website. Uh, And I just want to highlight again those uh, telephone techniques, those tips for calling somebody with dementia can be picked up at her website, Dementia Days. So powerful resource uh, that I think everyone, everyone could use. Well, I can't thank you enough for for your time with us today. It's just it's been such a pleasure and um I'm so thankful that you you had time in your day to to share with us. You're making a big impact, Lori. Well, thank you. And I don't know if Harry Urban's still on, but I I want to say this. Harry was one of the people that got me inspired to come out of my shell and speak. So, I I would have I would want to say thank you, Harry, because if we all keep encouraging other people, we're going to see things like this grow. Yep, and Lori, thank you for all you do. You're wonderful. <laughs> well, you know, I just try my little piece in my little corner of the world and um, trying to just connect the dots for people and, and make it a little bit easier than it was for myself and my family. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I, I think that's the easiest way to look at it is just try to lend a helping hand to the next guy. Share share what you've learned, you know. Um, yeah. And and when you do that, you 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 know people reciprocate and you learn more, and it's just so engaging and it's empowering and um, you know it's just it's gratifying um, to know that that you're trying to make a difference. And I, I think you know it's such a pleasure to 
to um, work with people like yourself and Harry and, and so many others um, that are making a big impact. It's just it just feels good and it's it's fun. Um, the relationships that are built and uh, you know the the love the last lifetime and it's mm-hmm. it's important stuff. So again, thank you so much for for all all you're doing and I look forward to chatting with you in the future. All right, thanks. You have a great day, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Lori. Um, I'm just going to do a mid-program highlight here. Um, In case you didn't catch our last show, it was quite interesting. We talked with a a couple of gals that have a company called Pieces of the Past, um, and it's a puzzle where you can submit a picture and then actually make a puzzle out of it, and it's a great reminiscing tool. We also had uh, the doctor on from the Alzheimer's team, and uh, she talked about clinical trials, which was really pretty fascinating and focused a lot on women's clinical trials and um, very, very, very interesting uh, show. So go back and listen to that or any of the others. Next week we're going to have uh, Mara Botanis on, and we're going to be talking about Project Lifesaver and for those of you that don't know Mara, she's just been getting award after award after award. She just got the Jacqueline Onassis uh, Award uh, out in D.C. not too long ago for her advocacy. Um, powerful woman doing great things. She's the author of When Caring Takes Courage. And then we're also going to have a singer-songwriter with us, uh, Jill Miller, who's written a couple of beautiful songs about dementia um, due to her journey with that, and she'll share that as well. Today at 3 o'clock, with any luck at all, we're going to be doing dementia chats. I'm having a little technical difficulties at my end, so we're going to, I'm going to be troubleshooting that beforehand, and, and we'll see. Um, but I am hopeful. And uh, on the blog, you can check. There's a couple of articles regarding Richard Taylor, again, who was really the first dementia icon that we've had, who was uh, truly the first voice internationally who was heard and listened to and really well-respected, passed away this past Saturday. Um, We had done a radio show about two years ago that I posted um, with one of those articles uh, where people had called in when he got diagnosed with cancer. And uh, it was was just so touching to hear all these voices around the world. And then Deborah Schaus um, submitted an article that she had written uh, regarding regarding, uh, Richard, and it's titled... Um, returning to who he was. Uh, there's also a great new book out, if you haven't seen it, called Keep Your Brain Stronger for Longer. And, uh, you know, I, I say look out Sudoku. It's got a lot of fun, different games, exercises, all different parts of the brain, and um, is really quite quite interesting, something that, that I'm going to be using uh, myself uh want to, again, give a shout-out to the Alzheimer's team. Um, if you are looking to uh, for a clinical trial, uh, check them out on Facebook, or you can go to our homepage, and you will see an ad there for clinical trials. You, um, you and your family can help reshape the treatment uh, and uh, that's out there currently for dementia, so don't underestimate that. Let me go ahead and introduce our, our next guest here for our second half. Uh, we are lucky to have Marianne Andrews with us, who is the inventor and developer of PillRight, which is a, a, a pill management system, and it's pretty cool. Um, she was inspired to create PillRight because of her own frustrations with managing her medications, and um, she, uh, in her 
in her um, scheme to devise this, you know, she was really looking to solve medication management for patients. But what she found was that this ended up being a really, really useful tool for caregivers as well. Um, Marianne's ultimate goal is to help people lower their stress and frustration around um, medications for patients and those that are caring for them. So welcome, Marianne. How are you doing today? Good, Lori. How are you? Uh, great. I'm doing great. Um, thanks I for joining us. I want to first say, us. you know, I'd like to give my condolences to you for the passing of Richard Taylor. He sounded like a very special man. Mm-hmm. And um, also, um, what a great, strong, and inspirational story Lori uh, was able to share with you and your audience. Oh, yeah. She is just incredible. She is just a, a wonderful voice of dementia. And, uh, yeah, it was really an honor to have her on. You can talk to her all day long. She's just so yeah. so in- insightful. It's kind of like Harry Urban here with us. And, um, you know, there's just uh, no end to the conversation uh, so much yeah. need and so much insight um, and inspiration that they that they bring to the plate there. Well, I'm really excited to talk about um, what you've created, the the pill right. Um, and I'm just going to let you kind of tell our audience a little background as to why you decided to create it and go into a little bit more depth there, um, so that they'll have a little better background to our conversation. Okay. Um, the reason that I created the um, pill right is through my own frustrations, like you said, um, I take medication chronically. I have to take it every day, and I have to take it twice a day. And um, I used to just um, despise filling my pillbox every week, and it seemed like I would fill it up, and, you know, the week ended, and I had to fill it up, take all my pillboxes out, put them on the counter, fill everything up, and I started to become kind of resentful um, because I knew I was going to have to do this for life. And I thought, um, gee, this is just not fair. So I just started, uh, you know, thinking in, in my mind and, and I looked around. I looked at um, everywhere for some kind of a way that I could organize my medications and pills in a more um, a fashion that would help me better and uh, keep me on track and consistent. So I couldn't find anything, and I tried the flat pill boxes that were four, for four times a day but were seven days a week, and I tried putting those together, and that didn't really work because it really didn't, it, it wasn't accurate. It wasn't what I needed. I was t- uh, two times a day. It was not four times a day. Um, I tried. So there's just many pill boxes I tried, though I did find that there actually weren't that many pillboxes on the market. The one that everyone seems to use is the seven-day pillboxes. And the other thing that was amazing to me was that of all the things that we, we've come up with, medications and all the treatments and everything we have around people's illnesses, we uh, just say, okay, here's your medication, take it, and you have to take it, and it's what's going to help you, yet nobody has given us any tools to um, make that happen, to be consistent. So mm-hmm. I just um, thought, well, um, one day I, I thought to myself, I'd like to do it for four weeks. So I came up with this idea to put these, condense these uh, four, uh, eight pill boxes, so for twice a day, 
So it's a, um, you know, twice daily, four-week pill management system. And um, that's how it kind of started. And I kind of took it from there once I knew that I could vertically put these in a condensed caddy and I could start using my pills, uh, filling my pills for four weeks instead of the standard one week. Yeah, I was uh, I was amazed when you sent it to me because it was it's just so simple and it's it's easy to use and it makes so much sense because you know when people are are setting up medications and I remember when I was dealing with my my parents you know trying to you know trying to set things up and get things coordinated you know as a caregiver you know it was time consuming and so it would have been nice to have right. something where I could have set them up for a full month. And um, and then just gone and pulled them over, you know, when pulled them out when needed, and um, mm-hmm. you know, for myself, I'm not really taking. I take more vitamins than anything, but you know, there can be a lot of them, and it's just nice to be able to just boom, 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 boom. It's done, and all I have to do is pop them out every morning, every night, and um, right. you know, it's just it's it's nice and it, it, it's it's easy to do. Um, makes it a little it, less yeah. frustrating. Yeah, the other thing I I just love that it's all compact and it's kind of in its own little carry case and and stuff and it it's just uh it's really slick um to be able to be able to use. Um how did you, you know, research, you know, pulling something like this together? Well, um what I did was um it it just kind of uh, listening to Lori, it's kind of similar to what Lori did. Because of her illness and what she had to deal with, she came up with routines and different ways to handle as she went along. And so as I went along with having to manage my medications, I would come up with different things that I would find um, would um, be um, good that I could, um, you know, put together and for example, uh, I had there uh, one night I was um, uh, open my drawer, my medication. A lot of times uh, doctors will say to you, okay, I don't want you to take ABC anymore. I want you to take XYZ. And so I've talked to so many people and do the same thing I do. They um, take the ABC, put it in the drawer with the XYZ. So you have all your old medications and your new medications together. And... Um, you know, you, you think, okay, I'm sure he's going to ask me to, you know, the doctor's going to ask me to take that old uh, XYZ again, so you put it in the drawer. So one day I went to my drawer and I opened my drawer of medications and I looked at the drawer and I said, oh my gosh, what is it exactly I have to take? <laughs> and so I mm-hmm. couldn't remember. So from there I said, you know, I went to bed and I thought, what, you know, here's another problem that needs to be solved. So I thought, let me put in uh, in the middle of this a um, uh, compartment where people can put their medication list in so that when they go to fill their medication list, the pill, right, they can use the medication list, they'll do it accurately, and they'll have less problems. So Mm -hmm. that's how that develops. And then from there, um, I said, well, gosh, we've got this, let's put everybody's emergency information in here, which would be great for uh, first responders, would be great for family members, um, and um, also uh, doctor's instructions and prescriptions. Could put them all together in the compartment. Everything's together. All your, your um, medication information is in one spot, 
And, you know, just like, for example, the prescriptions. It sounds like a simple thing. Well, a lot of times you come home, you put your script prescription in your purse or your wallet and or on a, on a desk, and you never, when you need it, you can't find it. So mm-hmm. this way I thought, perfect, leave it, put it right there in your in the middle compartment there, in your my pillows compartment, and when you need it, you have it. Mm-hmm. So that's how that kind of developed. So it was really by by need and um, what I knew would work for me. I knew I was just like everybody else. I had the same mm-hmm. problems everybody else had. Uh, I was no different. So that's how it kind of de- developed. And so I figured if it would work for me, it would work for other people. Well, you know, one of the things I like in, in um and it is having the, you know, written medications down. So you can just take that to the doctor. Because I hate that when I go to the doctor and they're like, what medications are you taking? I'm like, I, you know, for me it's like, I don't know, vitamins, you know. So, I, and then it's like, well, yeah. how many milligrams? Well, I don't know. I take one pill. Well, how many milligrams? Well, I don't know. You know, it's a big bottle. It's a this, you know. <laughs> and I feel like right, I right. because I should write all that stuff down. And I just, I don't because I'm flying out the door. But if I had that, right. it would just be so easy to do. And, you know, I think back to taking care of both my mom and my dad, uh, my dad with cancer, my mom with dementia. It also would have been really nice to have that trackability of when medications changed because the doctors have it. Um, but most mm-hmm. family members don't really write down when those medications have changed. And and I really think that it will help families in terms of identifying maybe um, symptoms, and, and right. um, if, if they have that time frame in front of them, instead of doing that yeah. that kind of second, excuse me, I have the hiccups all of a sudden. I have have um, do some second guessing and things with that. Right. Um, well, that that's one of the things is that um, when you the other thing that a lot of people don't understand is that when you're taking your medications. Um, you need to be consistent with your medications so that you can go back to the doctor and say, yes, this medication isn't working. No, this medication is not working. Um, Mm -hmm. This one is, and they know because I am truly taking it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times people will skip. They don't know if they skipped. And um, it's just a more accurate way to get your health in control. Mhm. Yeah, definitely. Um and also you... as far as the medication list, just one more thing, sorry Lori. Mm-hmm. Is no, that as far as the medication list, um how many times and this is also something uh, and and I'll and I'll talk about it a little bit later too, but um having that medication list with you at the doctors saves so much time. Uh mm-hmm. it takes you know, at least 10 minutes to sit there with the nurse or the doctor and give them all your medications. And have if you have a medication list, you just hand it to them, they write it down, and you're done. And if everybody did that, how much time we would save in our um, health care system. Well, and, you know, bottom line, when you go to the doctor, you, they give you 10 to 15 minutes, so you have to be organized if you really want to get to the crux of what's going on. I mean, we have to put a lot more thought into uh, you know, utilizing that time correctly. Um, otherwise, we're not going to get everything covered that we need covered. And so, you know, in addition to, you know, having our, our pills um, written down, which can save a ton of time, um, you mm-hmm. know, writing down, you know, symptoms that you're having and time frames mm-hmm. and, and, you know, when when are these things occurring? 
um, makes a big, big difference in in terms of those conversations. And it, you know, it saddens me that we've got these tight time frames now because of the the insurance yeah. companies, you know, are demanding that. But you know, that's the world we're in, and so we have to learn how to how to adjust with that as well. Yes, exactly. So, really, exactly. really important stuff. Now it looks like we've got a caller on the line, so I'm just going to see if I can pull them in. We've got somebody from a five one zero number. And I'm just going to pull them in and see if they had a question or comment. 510, did you have a question or a comment? I have a comment. Um, Thank you for having this blog, first of all. Excuse me. But I actually have two of these pill rights. I found them online at Amazon after exhaustive Mm -hmm. search. And the reason I have two is because I'm a caregiver for both my mother and my father. Um, They're 95, each of them. And... um, Though my mom is pretty cogent, she's really not able to manage pills, and she's resentful, just like Marianne was saying, about having Mm -hmm. to take them in the first place. And um, my husband and I, who are the primary caregivers, both work, and we were, it, it was maddening trying to get pills ready in the morning, for the afternoon, and for the evening. And, um... Having these two, one, I have little pink dots for moms and one without for my dad, has made my life so much easier. Sunday morning, once a month, takes me about 15 minutes to fill them up, and then there's no worries anymore. So I really, really appreciate this invention for myself. The other oh, thing that I thought... Go ahead, sorry. I was sorry. just going to say, that's, it's just great to hear from someone who's actually out there using them. So go ahead. Um, the other thing that I found, um, I use that center section much as Marianne described it. Thank you, Marianne, for coming up with that. But I also put my parents' DNR paperwork in there. And oh, smart. Um, and the outside of that internal section, is mm-hmm. you can write on it with a Sharpie, and I put DNR enclosed on it. So it's really easy to pull out. It's on my countertop. If somebody comes, God forbid, uh, you know, a first responder to help my parents. I know they're looking for things like that. So mm-hmm. it makes it pretty apparent where that is. So there's another kind of a, an important medical piece that I found that it works for me. So um, I'm, I'm a huge advocate of this. I've sent, um, I've sent this to some friends of mine who are also taking care of um, family members, and uh, they found it very helpful also. So and I, I want to thank nice you, Marianne. If, if- wouldn't it be nice if the doctor's offices would recommend things? I mean, because people are looking for these things all the time, you know, or uh, to be able to find them. And it, mm-hmm. would just, it, it, it would just make it so much easier if there were some resources, um, some true resources, and people could see a sample of it and go, yeah, that would work. I want one of those. Just like for young moms, you know, now they can get their breast pumps. They don't have to go to a store. They can get them right at the doctor. Exactly. You know, it would just be nice to have that included. But I think, you know, Marianne would probably have to jump through hoops with the insurance companies to see <laughs> how, how it could get covered. Um, but, you know, when you think of it, um, the ability to take your medications correctly versus, um, you know, either over or under, um, you know, being medicated, over or under medicated, um, and the cost of that, going to the hospital or the other symptoms and, and issues that can arise, 
Um, you would think the uh, the insurance companies would get beyond, behind that, and then also for the the tracking and helping with the 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 appointments for people being able to bring that paperwork in and stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's an interesting process. But thank you for calling in. Anything else that you wanted to comment on, or? Um, no, I, I've I've had the same experience. I take the interior of the pillbox with me when I take my parents to the doctors, and it's much more it's much easier. I think it would save insurance companies, hospitals, lots of money actually if they, and you know, even invested in this and handed it out, much like they hand out little baby hats and you know a bag of diapers when some when a child is born. Um, yep. So, yeah. Thank yeah, you so much. Good point. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, I know with my mom, she she got a free electronic toothbrush that was sent out, and um, she was on medical assistance, and I thought, she doesn't really even have teeth, you know. Uh, it didn't even make oh, any sense, and they're sending out, you know, a $100 item, and, um, you know, it just it kind of amazes me how things are run sometimes, and I know it's all, the intent yeah. is good, but... You know, everything doesn't meet everybody's everybody's needs. But, you know, this pill right is something that, I mean, most people, especially if they're older, are taking some form of medication. Now, one of the things I know, um, Marianne, you and I had talked online about was, what do you do with those medications that might change? Um, like a Coumadin, if someone is um, having to take blood levels, maybe, um or, uh, you know, and there's other ones, epilepsy, you know, where they get blood draws, right. where, where things could change. Right. How do you recommend those being used? Because I can, again, it's all going to depend on how many pills somebody's taking. <laughs> it's going to make a difference. Right, too, right. But. Those type of pills, I suggest that they don't put in the pill box, in the pill right, mm-hmm. because um, they do change. And um, you you could put them in, but you would have to take them out. In in the, in the pill right, we know there's there at, at times there's going to be medication changes. So we have a, 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 a way to easily take them out. There's a little uh, like a slider in there that you can pull out different pills if you need to, or you drop the next one in there easily to to pull out. But I would recommend as, as well as as needed pills. Don't put mm-hmm. those in the pill right. Leave them aside. And, mm-hmm. and take them that way. That's the best. But I do would recommend to people that do take Coumadin is do then use for those pills use the seven day pillbox. Drop them in there so that you know if you've taken them or not. Don't try to just ha- use your medication pill bottles and take your medication out of that. You won't remember if you've taken them, yes or no. You can go, you can take one, you can go to your closet, get a shirt, you come back, and you go, gee, did I take it? Yes or no, I don't know. With a pill box, you can see Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yes or not, I have taken it, yes or no. Mm -hmm. So that's real important. Yep. Yeah, that that, uh, I think would make make a lot of sense because I know when, when my dad was taking... Coumadin, they change those levels all the time, and I I bet I had ten different you know milligrams of the Coumadin, mm-hmm. and I was mixing and matching and stuff all the time. So yeah, that would that would, that would make sense to do, um, which which is really really helpful. I'm just going to pull in um, Harry Urban here, who is living with the disease, and just see if he has any questions or comment. How are you doing, Harry? I'm doing fine. Uh- me and my me and my pillbox, we fight every day. 
Uh, now, now let me tell you why. Uh, I have I have a seven day pill box for my morning meds, and I have a seven day pill box for my evening meds. And they have mm-hmm. those little doors you flip up, and um, you pick it up, you turn it upside down, and you dump the pills in your hand. Okay, mm-hmm. now, right. Uh, right. my my. My pillows come in all different sizes from very small to uh, some pretty big ones. Mm-hmm. And you would you would be you would be surprised how many times I dump my pillows in my hand but I drop one. And I don't mm-hmm. realize I drop it. Okay? Yeah. Now that mm-hmm. then I know I took my pills, but I didn't know if I took them all. Now, what? <laughs> I'm going to think out loud a couple, a couple seconds. Sure. Here. I sure. I would love to see I would love to see a pill box. Now, think of the old uh, uh, bubble gum machines. You put a penny in, you pull a handle out, push mm-hmm. it back in, and a bubble comes out. Now, mm-hmm. I would love to see a pill box where you pull the slide out and there's maybe a cup in there somehow. And mm-hmm. your pills go into a cup and you take it away. Now, I would mm-hmm. also like to see every time you pull that out, it would have an indicator that says Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Right, right. Okay? So you know mm-hmm. what day it yeah. is. And maybe mm-hmm. another indicator that says AM, PM. Now, mm-hmm. if I look at that, I get, I know if I took my pills in the morning or evening, if I skip a day or whatever. Now, right. it would probably cost you. It would probably cost you a bazillion bucks to make it, but um, I would love to see a pill right box like that. Well, uh, can I comment on that, Laurie? Sure. Yeah. So, Richard, um, I know what you're talking about. I have done that myself. Because these are pill boxes, seven-day pill boxes in a condensed caddy, so you have your eight pill boxes. It is, uh, says AM, it does say PM, and it does say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so you know if you've taken them yet or not. But I have done that also where I open the lid, I put them in my hand, and then I throw them in my mouth, and later on, I found one on the floor, or I found one on the counter. So what you're saying is, the fa- so what I what I do now is I take them, I throw them in my hand, I look at them, so I know kind of that they're all there, and then I put them in my mouth two by two or one by one that way so that I don't drop them. But you come up with, came up with a great idea, which is instead of putting them in your hand, why not getting one of those? Use the pill right because it has the AM, it has the PM, it has the the, the Monday through the two, through uh, Sunday through Saturday, so you know that you're taking them, what day you're taking, and then pour them into a little cup instead of your hand, and then put them in. And I may start doing that myself. That way, like I said, I do understand what you're saying because I have done that myself. But go ahead. So use the pill right. Put them, pour them instead of in your hand. Pour them in a little cup, and then take them 
that way, just like they do in hospitals and so forth. I think that's an excellent yeah. idea. Yeah, or you can pour them even like into a cereal bowl or something if you wanted to be able to pick them up and be able to see them depending right. on someone's dexterity and and things. Right. Or you know, if you um, you don't have to aim quite as as well, <laughs> you know, with them. Right. But, you know, whatever works. I, I think that makes a lot of sense because I think Harry brings up a a great point that uh, I was looking in my bathroom the other day and I'm like, well, where'd that pill come from? You know, and I yeah, <laughs> I had opened my jar of vitamins and I was, you know, pouring them in my hand and apparently, you know, one was uh, um, kind of like a vitamin E and it must have stuck to my palm of my hand or something and when I popped them in, that one didn't come out and then poof, it was on the floor the next thing I knew. And, right, right, you know, right. No, and it's I had, a, it's I had a good, not a clue. That's a great, you know, I am probably going to start using that, Richard, because I think that's a, a, a great idea. As you said, Lori has had that problem, I've had that problem to maybe just to go ahead and put it either in a, some kind of a cup or something so I know for sure that I've, that I've taken them. Yep. Taken all of my meds. Well, good. Well, it looks like we've got another caller on the line here. So we've got somebody from a 610 number is on the line, and you're more than welcome to make a comment um, or ask a question, uh, 610. Hi, Laurie. This is, this is Laurie. Oh, hi. Um, <laughs> hi. First, I just wanted to give you a heads up. Your chat is not working. So I know you had issues oh. with that, but I'm trying to type a chat, and it's not going through. So thought you might want to check that. Um, but I did okay. also have a comment. I'm I'm having more difficult with non-prescription drugs than I am with prescription drugs, such as I'm running a little bit of a fever, and I need to take Tylenol every four hours. I forget, mm-hmm. did I take it, did I not take it? Mm-hmm. Is there something mm-hmm. available? Um, right now I just put a sticky note on it saying you took it at such and such a time. Mm-hmm. Do you have any recommendations mm-hmm. for that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, at this point I don't, but, Lori, I have to say um, that it is um, – I think what you're doing is probably the best thing at this point because I just have the AM and the PM. It's the first product we've developed, and I was going to talk a little bit more later about things that we might do in the future. But I think probably the best thing is just to put the note on there and say, yes, have you taken them, uh, yes or no, and doing it that way. Because I don't think you can use the pill, pill right with that, with the as-needed pills. Okay. Have Good. you have you thought of making up even like a little med chart for yourself? Um, so then you could just kind of have a running list. Then you could see how often you're even taking those things. And I've started, I write it in my iPad, which I write everything uh-huh. in my iPad. But I still find, you know, I've got a headache. And a couple hours later, you know, I think, oh, I've got a headache. I should take something. I automatically read, um, read reach for the Excedrin migraine, sure. um, and fortunately I'm putting sticky notes on it, so I say, no, wait, you just took one two hours ago. You can't take another one. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. Um, and that's great if you can remember to do that, but if you don't, then, yeah, yeah then you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. that's why some... I, I have to put it on the bottle saying, you know, mm-hmm. took it at whatever time. Yeah, Because um, yeah. we're all no, going to have, regardless of what your what your symptom is, you, you're going to have those days where you just 
have a headache or you have a cold or sinuses, whatever, and you're taking drugs other than your routine, Mm -hmm. to me, those are more difficult because they're not part of my pattern. They're not part of my routine. Right. Mm -hmm. No, that makes um, sense. No, but I think putting the sticky note on those is a great idea. Also, you know, as I was listening to Lori, um, one of the things that I was thinking about in in uh, connections with particularly early on, on onsite um, Alzheimer's onset Alzheimer's is that when using the pill right, what someone could do is make sure that their uh, loved one or patient knows what day it is, and and mm-hmm. and make sure that maybe putting a sticky note again saying today is Monday, so then they can feel a little more. Uh, safe that they can look at the pill rights and say, oh, today's Monday, I can see if I've taken it, yes or no. Mm-hmm. Because my caregiver has said today is Monday, and then, again, today is Tuesday, and so on and so forth. So that's another little something that might help in conjunction with the pill right, particularly, like I said, for early onset Alzheimer. Make them a little, people a little more independent. Right. All right, thank right. you. Well, thanks for calling in, Lori. And sorry about the chat box. It, it seems to be working at my end. I'm able to input really? stuff. Um, yeah, you have to type it in, and then you have to push that send button. And, um, and so, uh, I don't know. Uh, you might want to try to refresh with an, with pushing F5 or something, too. But uh, I apologize on that. So I can only control so much, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just knew you were having problems, so I thought I'd mention it. But... Okay, yep, well, no you guys problem. have a great day, and thank you for answering the question. Okay, thanks, Lori. You're welcome. Well, that was a that was a great question, wonderful question. Yeah. Um, yes. Have you? I mean, we've heard we heard from you know one care partner who had called in. I would imagine that you've heard from others as well um, in terms of utilizing the pill right. Oh yes, um, it's. Um, what I've heard is that, um, let's see, oftentimes the, um, um, let's see, I talked about a little bit about that, the, the, the huge time saver, saver it is for caregivers because mm-hmm. um, what you can use the, the pill right as is once it's organized, uh, you can also just take out two weeks and leave it on the counter, not leave out the whole pill right put that away and use it in that mm-hmm. terms if that works with your loved one or your patient. Now, mm-hmm. um, the other thing is for caregivers, if you have a sibling or um, you know nurses and so forth coming in, the my med list or my pill list compartment in the middle is the great thing that passes on all the information to them. And if you keep up your pill list and you keep up your medications, what they're taking with supplements, medications, and so forth, you can pass on that information. The next person will know what your um, what the medications are, what is being used, and um, be able to fill the pill box themselves. So they can pass on that information. Also, for caregivers to know that as the a caller said that was that uses the pill right for their um, parents to have that information for first responders. So it's a great feeling for caregivers to know that they have if if something happens, 
all the information that the first responders need is in the pill right compartment and mm-hmm. they can respond immediately. They don't have to look at pill bottles. They don't know because like we said before, you can the first thing first responders look for are the medications. Where are the medications? Mm-hmm. What is this person taking? So they can go to your, and, and I've talked to first responders, and they'll go to the kitchen, they'll go to the bathroom, and they look in drawers. Well, as we talked about before, you have old medication in with new medication. And mm-hmm. they end up taking all the medication and trying to figure out what you have and what you don't have. Well, if you have the pill right compartment there, and they can just grab that and take that with them, it's it's a great tool and it could save a life. Mhm. Oh, so definitely. that's a yeah. So that's one of the great um, things that you could keep up to date. And also, if you like, and this is for everybody, whether you use the pill right or not, um, you can go to our website, which is uh, www.pillright.com, and use our what's called a my medication list, and you mm-hmm. can create a computerized medication list. And go in, you have your unique number. You can go in, update it. You can print it in an 8.5 by 11, which you could put in the My Pill List compartment or carry with you. And you can also print out a wallet size. And like I said, that's for everybody. That's free. Just go ahead and use it. I encourage people to go and use that um, My Medication list because it is helpful. And you can go in and update, delete, and so on and so forth. So it makes it a little easier. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Well, that that's great. Now, do you have any future plans for for Pillwright? Uh, I do, I do. Um, we'd like to. Um, of course, we're trying to. What's the hardest thing? Like you said, and um, Lori said too, is getting getting the word out. All the work that we're doing, all the work that she's doing, to to um, get that out to people is really difficult. For me, particularly. Um, a pillbox is not a sexy is not a sexy item, so for mm-hmm. for me to get people to listen, to get stores to go, gee, let's try it. All you have is you know the seven days. Let's give people an option. It's very difficult, but I'm pushing forward on that um, every day. Uh, thanks to you for having me on your show today. That helps me get the word out to people that uh, this is a product that can you know help their lives, could save their lives. Um, could keep them consistent so they know what this medication is working, what not, what medication is not working. Um, we're just right now. We're just on online stores like uh, Walgreens, Walmart, Amazon, Target, Wayfair, and Overstock. Just those online stores. Um, but we also look forward to um, making an app in conjunction with Pillrite so that you can carry your medication list with you on your iPhone or smartphone, and mm-hmm. um, also print it out for your pill right compartment. So that's kind of, and we want to make it real simple. I found um, through creating this product that the simpler, the better. If it's mm-hmm. simpler, people are going to use it. The pill right is simple. Um, I mm-hmm. want to make a medication list that's simple to use, nothing too mm-hmm. fancy, but just simple, and people will use it and um, and that's the important thing that they use the product. The other thing is we'd like to go to maybe three or four times a day versions of the pill, right, as well as something specifically geared to um, diabetics. But you know what, Lori, I just wanted to tell you a quick, um, I don't know if you knew, uh, the some of the problems that I've uncovered when I was doing my oh. research um, oh, regarding no, medication here. Go for that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the things, of course, the huge thing I found is that I found I wasn't the only uh, person with this problem of medication adherence. I found that there there's 150 million people in the United States take some type of medication. Mm-hmm. Um, according to the CDC, there's 11% of the population takes five medications or more. That's mm-hmm. a, a large number. But the most um, alarming statistic is that 125,000 mm-hmm. people a year die in the United States alone because they don't take their medication as prescribed. That's mm-hmm. huge. That's a huge number. And not to mention what you te- touched on is the cost to our health care system is in the billions and billions of mm-hmm. dollars when people don't take their medication as prescribed. Wow. And wow, that's, yeah. that is a big, big problem. It is. And, and, and that's what's so, uh, one of the things that astounds me every day is that um, it, we still have those little seven-day pill boxes. No one's come up with anything um, new. And so I hope that the pill right um, is, is accepted well. I think it will be. But, again, it's getting the word out to people, letting them know yep. about it. So many people don't know about it. Now, is this in the stores at all, or? Well, just we're just online, um, like I said, in Walgreen and Walmart, um, all the online major online stores. You can you can Google Pillwright, and mm-hmm. all the um, stores will come up where you can you can purchase it. And uh, we're just try uh, in a trial with Walmart in a couple of local stores, and if that works out, and I think it will, we'll be able to go to 16 more stores, and then so on and so forth. So, oh, cool. um, yeah, but but it's it's not an easy sell. Like I said, it's, it's not a sexy product, but it's so needed. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Well, that's uh, that's exciting times. It's exciting times. That's for sure. So yeah. um, it, it's it's fantastic. You know, one of the things that we didn't talk about too is you have like a little travel case um, for uh, you know. For the the pill right as well, and and I thought that that was really a smart thing um, to be able to do. Can you talk about why you decided to to add that into the package? Yeah, um, I um, I know that again talking to people, everybody takes when they travel, they take their little again their seven day pill boxes, and mm-hmm. they put them in plastic bags and they roll them up and they put them in their carry on. And inevitably, they open up and they're all over the place. Mm-hmm. So when I created the pill, right, I said, gosh, I'm going to do a little travel bag that they securely fit in so people can take one week at a time with them. They can, of course, buy more travel bags if they want to go for two weeks or three weeks. They can do that on, on our website. And then um, that way they have them secure and they can put them into their travel bag, travel uh, carry-on, which I always recommend, of course. As you know, nobody wants to put their medications with the luggage that they send through. They always want to put it in their carry-on luggage, mm-hmm. all their medications and supplements and so forth. Also, I wanted to talk, if you don't mind, uh, a little about another little feature that we have in the pill right that's called uh, uh, refill reminders. Mm-hmm. And um, what the refill reminders are uh, are little indicators that you open when you ha- they're in the um, my pill list compartment, and there's two sets of colors markers. And mm-hmm. what happens is if you're filling your pill right, and you're on your third week, let's say, and you run out of one of your medications, you take mm-hmm. one of the little 
colored markers and you put it in the lid. It, it snaps right into the lid where you left off. You take mm-hmm. your other colored marker, corresponding colored marker, and you put it in your empty pill bottle. Mm-hmm. You leave that pill bottle on your dresser, and now you know I have got to go fill this prescription. This is one I need to refill. So mm-hmm. it's a constant reminder, and you can see exactly. You you know put your pill right back together. Everything's up. You can see where you left off with a little marker, and you can actually mm-hmm. count and see how many days you have till you need to get that refill. So mm-hmm. it keeps you on top of your refills again keeps you consistent, and that's what we want to see. We want to see people be consistent with their medications so we know if there's an allergy. We know, you know, that it's not because you didn't take your medications. It's because you are taking your medications, and, and we need to find the culprit. And mm-hmm. if it's not working, we, we can find out what's working and what's not working. Consistency is so so important. Well, that is wonderful. Have you been able to get, like, a, a doctor or two behind this to kind of help support um, the need for this at all? I would I would just think that that might be a, a nice route to be able to go. Yeah. You know, I've, I've talked to um, several doctors, and I have a friend that is also working with us, and she's talked to uh, doctors and saying, gee, this needs to be in, on our shelves in our hospitals, in, mm-hmm. you know, in the pharmacies, in the hospitals. Yep. And yet, again, it's it's, it's a difficult sell. I, I don't know. We, we're, we're working on it. I think we're going to get it out there. We're going to keep pushing. We think it's a great product. We, we, we get excellent reviews on Amazon and Walgreens and all the places that we have sold the product. Mm-hmm. Um, people love that. Love it. I get good feedback. And just, they're, they're just really excited about it. it it's amazing to me. Um, and it keeps me going because mm-hmm. I know, um, and listening to Lori also, uh, that you had on your show um, was is a great inspiration for me to kind of look towards um, particularly early onset Alzheimer's. How can I help create a pill light that would also help them as well in different ways? So that's something I'm going to be, you know, as I grow, I'm going to keep looking at and how can I help this person and how can the pill light help this person and this type of disease and how will it fit in with this type of disease? So, um, I'm just going to keep growing and keep going, and I think it's, um, I think it'll be helpful for people, and I and I'm really happy about that. Wonderful. Well, I I um I think it's great. You know, I love it when people just uh, kind of take the bull by the horns and say, you know what, I can, I can come up with something that'll help people that'll that'll be different. You know, and and um you know I give you kudos for doing that. A lot of people wouldn't wouldn't take the time or put in the energy. They would just continue to complain that what's out there isn't working and um you know it, it takes people like you to to really change change the world and change the platform so kudos kudos to you now the best way for them to um get the pill right is just to go to www.pillright.com and that's p i l l r i t e.com pillright.com or they can Email you as well at maryann at pillwright dot com. Um, well, I Absolutely. thank you so much for for being with us. Um, any any last comments to our audience? Well, also I just wanted to say that if you Google um, just Google Pillwright P I L L R I T E Google it, you'll get a lot of uh, good information. Also, in different places you can buy it. If you don't want to buy it on our website, you can go to other. 
places, and a lot of times the Walgreens or the Walmart may uh, not have shipping. So that would be nice for people as well. Okay, but I hope I hope it uh, I hope that um, people try the pill right. If they know of somebody that um, they think the pill right could help, that they let them know about it, because I think it's um, a fantastic problem uh, product. It's helped me, and I know it's helped a lot of other people. And I and I'm gonna like you said, I'm gonna keep pushing forward. And um, I appreciate all you've done, um, Lori. Uh, thank you so much for having me on and giving me this platform to get the word out about the pill rights and so many other things that you do. Fantastic. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it, Marianne, and keep up the good work, and I wish you the best of luck with your your sales on that. I think it's a fantastic product, and, in fact, I shared it with some friends of mine, and they were just like, oh, this, I I could use this, you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And they're like, this is slick. Yeah, and you know, Lori, it's not for just for people who take a ton of medications. It's for people who take three or four medications, because yeah. if you keep them in your bottle, you're you're gonna forget or you're not gonna know which ones you've taken. So if you put them in the pill, right, just stick them in there. It's like you said, it takes ten, fifteen minutes for the whole month, and you're done, and and you're not gonna mess up. You're gonna be consistent. Yep. Yep. And less errors. Yeah. Yep, and that. So thank you again. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Truly appreciate your time today, Marianne. Um, I want to thank our audience as well for uh, hanging in with us today and uh, listening to this great information. First half of the show with Laurie Shearer um, with Dementia Days. Um, Again, don't forget to pick up your telephone techniques when talking with somebody with dementia on her site. Again, that's Dementia Days. And then Marianne Edwards uh, wrapping us up here, talking about the PillRite, which is a new uh, pill management system that it, it's really it's pretty cool. You can set your pills up for a whole month and and be ready to go and uh, time saving um, and also just some significant safety issues and being able to track medications with the the tracker inside. Um, our caller had. Um, written in saying that she's written, you know, the do not resuscitate on the outside of that in case of emergency for her parents that she's caring for as well as um, in the uh, the log that's all self-contained and then it has that travel packet as well. So check out uh, check out both Dementia Days. You'll get great information from Lori Shearer and Pillwright. Um, it might be something new or someone that you know uh, might be able to tap into. And then don't forget about checking out the Alzheimer's team um, with that uh, clinical trial. Um, that's a way that you can really help shift and make a difference. Thanks so much for joining us today, and I hope you can uh, join us at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 Central, 1 Mountain Time, and noon Pacific for Dementia Chance. Again, with any luck, uh, technology is going to be on my side by then, and <laughs> we'll be up and running okay. Thank you so much for your time. Enjoy your week. Bye now. Well, hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? 
Odds are it's going to hit your families too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.